Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Happy to be with you on Friday, February 7th. Still quite frankly in shock after what we've seen at the Australian Open. It was pretty crazy. Sophia Kennan, most notably. What a big surprise from the 21-year-old American, who we all knew, by the way, was very talented and we're thinking a lot of after her impressive 2019 campaign that saw her win three titles, saw her record an epic victory over Serena Williams at Roland Garros, but I don't think anybody saw this coming. She is the first women's singles Grand Slam champion of the new decade. Does she have more in her? We'll talk about that with Richard. Also, Novak Djokovic wins his 17th major. Does it in improbable fashion from two sets to one down. Really thought he was down and out in that final. Incredible performance for the man who's now 8-0 in Aussie Open Finals. We'll talk about that. Want to remind you guys that we are the Lucky Let Cord Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just Google Lucky Let Cord Podcast in your podcast provider. And voila, you can also find us on the web at tennis underscore now you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash tennis now find us on apple news find us on the web www.tennisnow.com and thank you all for being a part of this so richard pagliaro is going to join us we kind of spent a few days thinking about the 2020 australian open writing our features which you could now find up on the website and now we decided the time has come to talk about it Okay, better late than never. We are here to wrap up the Australian Open. Remember that event? It was like a week ago, and it was pretty mammoth. Richard Pagliaro, Tennis Now's editor, is joining me. Hey, Richard. Hey, Chris. Thanks. Great to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, maybe this is, in a in a way, a great to have you on, by the way. Always nice to chat. Uh, maybe in a way this is a good thing. We waited a little while, and we had time to reflect on the meaning of some of these massive matches that went down in Australia I want to start with the women's side and talk about this amazing performance by Sonia Kennan before we switch over to the men. So let's start right there. You and I talked about Kennan so much on our Slack channel. We're, we're always hyping her game and excited about her potential. I don't think, however, either of us saw this coming so fast. And I, I honestly can't say if either of us really had her tabbed as a future Grand Slam winner and yet... Here she is, the 2020 Australian Open champion, Sophia Kennan. What are your thoughts on this, Richard? Just a tremendous uh, performance. And I think for me, what really stood out is the Barty match when she basically stood up to the whole stadium, you know, number one player in the world on her home court. And that was every, every point in that match was so tight and to take her out. And then also that, I think, the final where you saw a player, you know, facing triple break point. If she gets broken there, she probably is going to lose the final. And to come from triple break point down and hit the five, you know, gutsiest, greatest shots of your life in a row, in succession, against a two-time Grand Slam champion, former world number one, and just to lay it all out there at the moment when you need it the most. I mean, it just it blew my mind, and I'm sure it must have blew Muguruza's mind too, because it was just incredible that she was able to produce at at, at that level under that pressure. Just un- unbelievable. Yeah, it's un- remarkable all the way through in this tournament what Kenan has been able to do. And I'm wondering, 
as I look in retrospect, and we just chatted before we went on air about the fact that neither of us saw this coming. Neither of us thought that no matter how well she was playing, she would win that match against Muguruza. We both picked Muguruza. What did we miss about Sophia Kennan? What did we not take into account? I think, you know, the great thing about tennis technology today is analytics. It's like, it, you know, like baseball always uses analytics, and tennis analytics are so important. But I think analytics cannot measure the fierceness of somebody's fighting spirit or the desire. Or There's another quality that she has that I think is really underrated is that she can step up on the baseline, take the ball right off the short hop, right on the rise, and whatever you give to her, she can give redirect it especially down the line, and I think that's a really, really underrated quality because most people, even in this tournament, we saw Serena Williams, arguably the greatest of all time, get pushed back off the baseline, and this and Sophia Kennan does not give up the baseline, no matter who she's playing, and that, it's really, really impressive. To me, it's Hingis-like. I mean, she's a different player yes. than Hingis. She's not as much of a field player, but her ability to, to time the ball and take the ball on the rise, I think that's really, really unsettling for players and I think you saw that in Muguruza in the final game where she kind of crumbled on the serve because everything you're hitting as hard as you can and it's coming back at a sharper angle or down the line or it's just her ability to read read the court and redirect the ball I think is is really uh, incredible a great asset a great yeah. weapon thus giving her the ability to be be more aggressive than we would think maybe she was before this tournament at, at five seven not really a big serve people i guess labeled her a counter puncher i think she's more of a puncher than a counter puncher especially under oh, pressure sure. i think yeah you're 100 percent right because people look at her size and she's the shortest ao champion since justine and was five five and three quarters i think 2004 when she won yeah. so that's a long time and uh, I think you're exactly right. People look at her height and think, well, she's got to be a counterpuncher, but she's not. I mean, you look at her core positioning, she's one of the most aggressive players in terms of her core positioning. And also, her ball striking, you don't see her frame shots that much. She hits the ball super clean, no matter how hard you hit it. And also, before the final, I was looking at the serving stats. Just to her average speed number was almost identical to Garbina going into the, uh, you know, in the semifinals. So she hits the serve bigger bigger than you think it's got a little bit of an awkward serve because she has that that sort of a idiosyncrasy of looking away from the toss but she can pop it you know she can pop it and look yeah. at look at the Kova golf match i mean she had some big serves in that match that i think another thing that's that, that really really big about sophia cannon is her her physicality is underrated like you just said she's not the biggest person but she's trained in miami or south florida for years and you saw when the heat hit there in melbourne I mean, yeah, she was sweating just like anybody else, but I didn't see her gulping for air. I didn't see her excessively going to the towel. I didn't see her stalling. What I saw was her getting the ball, stepping up on the line, and just going right at you. And that's that's a kind of fearsome physicality where, where it's hot, it's humid, and she doesn't look to be tired. Mm -hmm. And you made a good point about analytics, and there's really no way to measure the heart or the, or the, the fierceness of a fighter. There's also no way to measure how a player will perform on the big stage under big-time pressure, and then she showed everything we really needed to see by surviving triple break point down at 2-2 in that third set. And she did that numerous times, or you know, saving multiple set points against Barty in the semis. She's proven to be a big-time competitor, and I think you can't really... You, in the future, I think we're going to have to take that into account when she heads into these big tournaments. 
I had her tabbed as a you know future top 10 player, a player that can make an impact on the game for a long time, but I really, in my mind's eye, kind of saw her maybe topping out around 10 or maybe having difficulty to do what she did in Australia, just completely shell-shocked still by how, uh, how well she was able to perform there. And I, I just wonder, I mean, and I'll put the question to you, um, is, this, is this a one-off? Can she win more majors? Will she win more majors? Yeah, well, that's a million-dollar question because you could look at Wozniacki and some people thought, well, she finally broke through. Now maybe that's going to lead to more. And now, you know, she's at the end of her brilliant career or even Yelena Ostapenko more recently where people are like, wow, she really has that almost seller's ability for the lightning strike and we're going to see her really rack it up and, you know, she really has it. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tough question to say, but I would say what's in her favor is, Number one, what you just touched on is the desire. She really is hungry for not only not only to be a good player and improve, but she's hungry to compete. And a lot of people have have the strokes. It's forehand and backhand, but they just, at crunch time, they don't have the love of the fight like she has. And the other thing, I think, is just her consistency as a ballster. You don't see her litter up the stat sheet as far as unforced. She's a very consistent player. Like She's not afraid to play 20-ball rallies. If she has to play, she has to grind a little bit more sometimes because she doesn't have the biggest serve, like you said. But I think those two qualities are going to keep her in it for a while. And also, she showed some touch. She showed you the drop shot. She showed the drop shot lob. She's not afraid to come in once in a while. For me, it all goes back to what you and I talked about uh, you know, before the season began. That breakthrough moment for me was the Fed Cup final when she went on foreign soil. She lost the match, but she showed no matter what circumstance you put her in, no matter if the whole crowd is against her, she's going to fight you to the last ball, and that's what champions do. So, yeah, I think she can win another one. But, you know, having said that, you know, we've seen – countless players we thought would win multiple and and just didn't yeah of course there's always that issue that that what we talk about the book the book on a player there's there's currently a number of coaches out there looking at Sophia Kennan's matches and looking for a weak spot is there any weakness in her game is there anything we can probe regularly to beat this woman and that's what we're going to find out over the next year or two because coaches are going to be game planning for her but I'm going to go out on a limb and say heck yeah she's a fighter she's a winner she's proven it why not she can win another one I think she will at some point might not come right away yeah I think she's already she's already shown you she's willing to put in the work to improve her game. You already seen how her game has improved and also that she's competed on every surface. You know, she beat Serena straight up at Roland Garros. I mean, straight up beat her. So she's shown you on every surface she can play and she can compete. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It's just hard to project because you never know with injuries, no, with other life circumstances come up. You just don't it, – it's just so hard of to predict. Course. But I, I get I it, think Richard. You're afraid to commit. She's got such a hunger, you know. She's got such a hunger. I, I, I'd love to see her – Continue, and I also like seeing how the fans responded to that because her energy is is electric. You really get caught up in it, and you want to go grab your racket and run out to the court and bang the ball around because you see how much fun it is for her. You want to spike a ball after game point like she does, Pete Rose style, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Garbine Muguruza. You know, you ask her weakness. To me, the weakness <laughs> is the visor. Get rid of the visor. I love her expressions and her emotions and how she shows you how she feels. Dump the visor so we can see your face. Yeah. You know, Dementievo is what. I never liked that. Oh, yeah. She hides out. I think she hides out from the world. I think I heard uh, Courtney Nguyen uh, talking about that on the No Challenges Remaining podcast. Uh, She kind of like blocks out the whole world, pulls that visor close down, you know, almost to, you know, to her eyes almost. So so she can't really see out. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's like sort of a shield a little bit. But as a fan, I I just like to see the play. You know, I like to see 
We'll, we'll make that request for her. But let's move on. Garbina <laughs> Muguruza was pretty incredible in this tournament, and you and I both had her tab to win it once she got to the final. She beat three top 10 players at the same slam for the first time ever, completely rejuvenated with um, Conchita Martinez in her coaching box. I don't know if you can give all the credit to Martinez. I mean, full credit to Garby for just being just an incredible force in this tournament. The match against Halep in the semifinals is one of my favorites of the tournament, even though it only went two sets. Um, what do we think about her performance? Do you think this is the beginning of something big this year, or is it just a, a blip? She's been known to have great performances at majors and then kind of tail off here and there. Do you think, do you think this is the beginning of something that she can build on in 2020? I do. I do think it is the beginning of, of, a, of a building year. And look, you climb Mount Kilimanjaro, you know, majors seem like a speed bump compared to that. But yes. for me, what she showed you is that, that Shelby Rogers match where she got bageled that first, you know, that set where she bounced back from that. She showed you the, the tightness and the nerves. It's still there, but she's able to battle through it. And I think it is a breakthrough tournament for her, and I think you hit it right on the head. That Hallett match was a really, really high-quality match where she was down in that breaker, and she came back, and she stuck to her strength, which is that backhand down the line. She didn't back off from that uh, at crunch time. She hit it. She hit it beautifully. She went after the shots. I just thought at the end, Kennan was just a little bit more ferocious and wasn't going to be denied. I mean, I don't even think, uh, no matter who you put across the net from Kennan on that day, I think she would have beat most most players so I don't falter for that although it was disheartening to see her kind of you know lapse with those double faults at the end you hate to see someone have such a great tournament and then it come you know not that that decided the match but it kind of lingers in your head wow is that you know yeah. is there going to be any hangover from that I think the other issue with uh, with Garby is she's just a, her game is inherently streaky because she plays so flat so I think the beauty with Conchita is Conchita was so brilliant changing spin she had the slice on the backhand heavy top on the forehand the kick serve so Conchita understands how to change heights spins variation and, and, and Garby can do that to an extent but her, her game is a flat game so you know you're a little bit off it's a little bit windy you're mistiming the ball a little you know you're going to make more errors so I I think that's another area can, uh, Conchita can really help her, and I think it's a great, you know, they've already won a major together, so I think it's, it's the best thing for her. Yeah, good points made there. I think Muguruza showed me a lot in this tournament, a lot of clutch serving. She was in a lot of difficult spots against good players. I mean, the players she came through was an impressive list of the win over Burtons. She beat uh, Tomjanovic in a tough match. She had to do, right. uh, she had to perform well under pressure. People label her as a as a power player, but I see her more as a player that relies on consistency and and physicality. She's I think she's a way better mover than people give her credit for. She got to so many balls and stretched out so many rallies, and sometimes she doesn't look all that fluid. She's she's so tall, she has to almost get into a crouch when she hits her groundies. But I mean, I, I just think she's um she's really consistent out there and really mentally tough, and that's what impressed me the most about her. Yeah, and also the Hallett match, some of those crunch time points, she was willing to come in and volley, and then and she can volley. She's got a nice volley. She was a good doubles player when she used to play with Carla. I mean, she knows how to close. And she was asked about that, or Conchita was asked about that during the tournament, and she said, yeah, you know, her strength is obviously baseline, but you want to just really rock solidly establish the confidence in the ground game before you push forward, because otherwise, you know, you come in on something wrong and, and you get past. So I think that's a good approach to have. But yeah, you're right. She's more of an all-court player than, than I think she gets credit for. And one of the best drive volleys in, in tennis, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Let's move on to the men. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we start, of course, at the top of the food chain. Novak Djokovic, pretty much mind-blowing what he's been able to do at the majors in terms of these improbable victories. In the final, of course, he comes back from two sets to one down against Dominic Thiem. Uh, he had never done that before in his career at a Grand Slam, come, come back from two sets to one down. He improves to 8-0 and in Australian Open Finals. He wins his 17th major, tightens the race between these goats that have all now have 17 or more majors. I mean, just uh, what we expected, basically, from Novak in Australia? Uh, it was, although the final was, I thought it would be, I thought he would win in four in the final. I didn't think it would go the distance. So for him to come back from two sets to one in a major final, for the first time, you know, it's he was 0-7 lifetime in that situation. That was obviously huge. And also the tiff with the chair umpire, he had a little bit of uh, interactions with the crowd. You know, emotionally, it was a little bit volatile, but he was able to weather that storm in the final. And I think team, you know, he fought, he fought as hard out. He played like hell. It's just, he played as you know as hard as he could. I just think the the cumulative battles going four hours the Rafa, the physical match with Sasha Zverev. You know, I think team gave it all. He just had nothing more to give at that point physically. You know, you're playing. You know, you're trying to achieve the the, the hardest thing in tennis, which is to beat two of the greatest players of all time in a in a three match span. So I'm not no, I'm not surprised he won, but I, I I thought the the final was surprising just in terms of everything. It was very eventful if you take into account everything that happened, and also as we saw with Rafa at the in the U.S. Open against Medvedev, where Rafa came to net more than 50 times. Not that Novak did that in the final, but that huge break point in the last set, he served and volleyed on that point incredible courage to do that and and that was a pivotal point in the match in my opinion what impressed you most about what novak was able to accomplish in that final and in in the in, in january overall i think the mentality that he was able to stand up to it all because at the end it could have gone wrong as far as uh you know, mentally, he could have lost it a little bit, and he did get really emotional, and he was he was barking a little bit, but that he was able to keep it together because the pressure's all on him. He's a seven-time champion. You know, he's expected to win. If team wins, everyone's going to be talking about changing of the card. Is this the end? You know, so I think that he was able to stand up to all of that and also that sustained the level that he played at ATP Cup. I thought he played great at ATP Cup sure and that he was able to carry that, sustain it through. He, just, he dominated the Australian summer as he has so many summers and it's funny I was on a conference call with John McEnroe before the tournament that ESPN did and he said you know I think we're going to see Novak do what Rafa did in Paris in Melbourne and he could string together 11 or 12 of these and some people chuckle but maybe he's right yep what does what Novak has been able to do in the clutch these improbable victories saving the match points at uh, championship points at Wimbledon against Federer, the match points at the U.S. Open against Federer, and now coming back from 2-1 down where his back would get, was against the wall in this match. What do these like improbable victories say about Djokovic as a, you know, a legendary player in, our, in this era? Well, I think his strength, his strength of character and stamina might be his most underrated uh, 
virtue, and that's ironic because when he first started, the knock on him was you get him in a long match and he'll just fold physically or he'll call the train. You know, he was known as not being the toughest of competitors, and now, you know, look at where we are 2020. The guy's five-set record is 31-10. and 10. He's one of the best. His record in, in long major match. He's one of the best. Look what he did with Rafa there at the Australian Home, the longest match ever. I mean, he, he yeah. totally transformed himself from a guy who was thought of as a little bit physically fragile to an Iron Man who will be the Grand Slam King, in my view, when it's all over, you know, assuming that, that he stays healthy. Oh, I'm glad you say that. How has Djokovic's victory changed how you see the race for the all-time Grand Slam title record? I think you, I think exactly what you just said. If you go back to that Wimbledon, if Roger had held on, if he had converted one of the, I think there was still an opportunity that he could have stretched it, but I think that changed everything. I think him coming back, winning that Wimbledon, that totally shifted the race where, to me, like as Roger himself said, it's inevitable he's going to surpass it if he stays healthy. I mean, we've seen him have elbow issues. We've seen him have, show, you, know, right. he, you know, he hasn't. He's been remarkable in terms of the majors that he's been able to play. His streak is remarkable, but he has had injuries. You know, it's not impossible that he could get hurt, but if he doesn't get hurt, I mean, if he didn't have that elbow injury, he'd probably be at 20 majors right now if, if he didn't have that elbow issue. I think he'd probably be there right now. I really do. Yeah, he's... It's been remarkable. He's still, you know, he's got four more to go to do what you think he might do, and that's if Federer doesn't win anymore. That's if Nadal doesn't grab two or more. So it's interesting. It's going to be fun. I think Roland Garros, I mean, the table's set for, I mean, I've always thought that Novak was good enough to get more than one title there, and it's to me, it's surprising that he hasn't, but I guess that's another story for another time. We'll pick that one up in the springtime when we start talking about Clay. Let's move to Dominic Team because... Speaking of guys that might get in the way of the big three in the future, well, Dominic Team nearly did it in Australia, and it looks like he's going to have um, more opportunities to kind of single-handedly break this big three streak, which is now at 13 consecutive majors won. What did Dominic Team do right in Australia, and how impressive was it to see him make the finals of a hard-court major? Yeah, it was super impressive, and I think what he did was built upon the promise that he showed us all at Indian Wells when he beat Roger in the final there to really break through with that Masters, that he showed us that his game is transferable, that he's not a one-surface champion, that he can do it on hard courts, and he, you know, let's face it, the guy was within a few games of winning the Australian Open and doing something that is truly remarkable, which would have been beating Nadal and Djokovic you know, not back to back, but within a three match span to win a major, just astounding. It didn't happen, but you know, he gave it his all. Uh, I think what he showed me was that he was able to flip the switch through a lot of, uh, sort of turmoil and turbulent times because if you look at the ATP Cup, he didn't play well. He didn't get any results. Then he comes to Melbourne. He's got Mooster in his box for the slam, and then it all blows up with Mooster, and he bounces Mooster out of there, and you think, God, how does the guy stabilize after just dumping a former number one off of his team? And he, it actually was the look like in retrospect the exact right thing to do because he came through all these tough matches. I think what also impressed me was his ability to uh, – to go for it in the tie breaks against really quality players to lay it on the line in the tie breaks because you you know you don't want to lose it in that, in that situation but he played to win it and I, and I felt that was really key especially the Rafa match he basically beat Rafa being Rafa you know he beat Rafa at his own game basically he just stood up out muscled him and beat him on the big shots and that was a hugely impressive victory he won three tiebreakers against Rafael Nadal. Nobody had ever done that before in a single match. So my last question for you, Richard, before I let you Especially go. Especially like a guy 
guy with a one-handed backhand to do I realize it's not the same bounce off the court that he get on clay, but to do that, to stand up to Rafa's forehand with a one-hander, like yeah. you said, in time, I mean, it, it's super impressive. And the guy's a physical stud. I mean, he's in such great shape. Yeah, and I'll also add, that was team's second win over a reigning number one in less than a year at the Slam. So he's doing a lot of things right. And my final question I'll put to you is, what do you think Dominic team needs to do to get over the hump and win a major? Well, you know, I hope he sticks with Masu in this coaching partnership because I've seen the strides with them working together. I think Masu's brought him a little more confidence in the transition game and also yes. using his using the variety a little more because for me, when I when when I first saw him, I mean, I loved everything about him, his spirit, his attitude, but for me, I felt he was a little one-dimensional that he was just hanging you know, eight feet behind the baseline, just hitting the hell out of the ball, ripping every ball. And he has a huge forehand, one of the biggest forehands in tennis. We know that. He's a great kick serve. But I think what Masu has said, look, you're a great athlete. Let's use these other assets. You have good hands. Let's try to use the slice a little bit more, mix it up, use the, the heavy top spin and then the low slice to sort of disorientate the guy and use your athleticism and try to finish some of these points moving forward when you can. So I think he's expanded his game and, you know, and showing you what Dominic team can be without losing, you know, the, the core of his game, which is that really aggression. And he, he likes to hit big. He likes to hit down the line and go for it. And also that they've kind of addressed the issue. The return was always a big problem with him where he didn't know whether to block it or rip it. And he wasn't really getting the depth on the return. I think he's helped him on the return game as well. Yeah, great points. Richard Pagliaro, I love these chats. I want to thank you for your time. Yeah, well, thank you, and uh, you know, it was a great tournament, and um, it was it was great to chat with you about it. And I, I really thought it gave us a lot to think about going forward. Like, where do we go from here? Especially the women's game now seems wide open with Osaka, you know, taking another loss in in uh, Fed Cup today. So I know I saw that. It Amazing. just seems wide open, and Barty's a really, really talented player. I love watching her, but she's not an omnipotent number one. So you feel like change could be coming. Oh, the WTA, forget it. There's so much excitement. I mean, up and down the top 100. But that, again, another subject for another time. We'll get to it. And I right, look forward we'll be here five hours. We get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I look forward to us chatting again, though, Richard. Thanks for your time, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, good talking. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you. This edition of the Lucky Let Cord podcast is a wrap. Special thanks to guest Richard Pagliaro for joining us, and special thanks to you all for listening. We appreciate you very much. Once again, this is the Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Don't forget you guys can find us wherever you find your podcasts out there. Just Google Lucky Let Cord Podcast and voila, you should find us. And of course, we love it. If you take the time to write a review and give us a rating, it would mean a lot. You can also find Tennis Now on the web at www.tennisnow.com. Hit us on social, facebook.com slash tennisnow, Twitter, at tennis underscore now apple news where else instagram check us out hope you enjoyed the podcast hope you enjoy the month of february in tennis should be a fun one and we'll be back at you real soon